both uh, Pastor Mike, Pastor uh, Jeremy, or what uh, Kelly, both of them had said in recent weeks that they just sense that God is really speaking to us as a church regarding prayer. Uh, the, 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 what's so interesting to me is when we had begun talking about getting to preach on our, quote, favorite text, which means I'd have to preach on this whole thing, except for the genealogies. Um, <laughs> Got to be honest, right? How many of you really love going through the genealogies? Okay, see, you're all a bunch of sinners, just like me. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was thinking how, much, how important it was for us to go through the issue, the subject of prayer. And honestly, God had been working on that, and the passage that he kept writing on my heart is one that I'm going to go to today um, is because it's just, it's really gets us where we need to be, I think, uh, in, as, a, as a people, as a church, and as a nation today. Uh, and probably, really, the world could use this again. Um, I, I'm often concerned, aren't you, with the, the difficulties that people face. I mean, we've, I, I've, I know many of you have gone through a trial or struggle, a difficulty along the way in recent uh, months and even recent years. In some cases, they've lasted a long time. Um, I, I know people have problems with their jobs, problems with their homes, problems with their marriages or with their kids. All of that happens, right? That's all a part of our life. It's a part of every, everyday living for us. And yet, it, every time it happens, we get kind of like, oh, what do I do with this? And, and I certainly get concerned about that. Sometimes I'm, I'm troubled by bigger things. And you might say, well, that's the biggest thing in my life right now. And yeah, it is. If, if it's your problem, it's a big thing. If it's mine, if, if it's not yours, or if it's mine, then you think, nah, no big deal. It's, it's Tim's. He can deal with it, right? It's kind of that way. When it's my problem, it's huge. It's like going to the hospital. If, if I go into surgery, you know, and I, that's a minor surgery where you're going to have surgery. But if it's me, you know, if you're going to cut a little slit, I, it's a major surgery as far as I'm concerned. Um, but sometimes I am troubled truly by bigger things. The direction of our nation. Have you kind of like wondered lately? Maybe? Where are we going? Um, the increasing license to sin. I mean, we, it used to be like, that's a bad thing. Everybody did it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, everybody was sinning. We know they were sinning. But now that's kind of like this. It's, it's a license. It's a right that we have. It's a part of our freedoms that we have. And so it becomes more open. The higher visibility and acceptance of evil behavior. That really bugs me. I don't know why. It just does. I'm troubled by the some way people pursue Racial prejudice, you know, I mean, this, this really, how can the KKK be actually actively recruiting in Syracuse and Liverpool, of all places, Liverpool? That's where I live. I mean, I thought that was gone, like, 100 years ago. Done. Troubles and concerns provide, though, an opportunity. You say, oh, wait a minute. Uh, that doesn't sound like an opportunity to me, but it is. It's a, a, they provide an opportunity to enter into a time of prayer for God's people, the nation, and the world through three major aspects. One, confession, repentance, and supplication based upon the new covenant. So we have a new covenant. We're going to talk about that later on when we go into the Lord's Supper. But we have a new covenant that gives us a right, actually, to come before God with our petitions. Uh, Daniel's prayer in Daniel 9 is among the best in, those, uh, uh, in terms of intercession that are written in the Bible, and really I've ever heard in many cases. 
Um, in my mind, the on, only prayer that exceeds this in the Bible is Jesus' prayer of intercession in John chapter 17, and which, by the way, is probably one, if not the most favorite passages, which I'm not preaching out of. Um, but uh, we have an example and a pattern for how to handle the troubles of the Bible, uh, and troubles of the world, and, and God's people even, right there, right here in his word. I'm going to invite you, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you actually have a Bible with you. I know we give you that on the screen, right? Um, let me suggest that you sometimes actually carry one of these things or, or one of these things, whatever it takes, okay? Uh, this is what I carry when I go around the world, in, in the world today. It's a lot easier to pull up whatever I want. Um, it's about the same size as my little miniature Bible that I used to carry around, you know. A whole lot easier to use and read for my eyes. Um, let me invite you to, to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Um, and we're going to begin with verse 1. Daniel chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. And I'm not, not going to read... Um, the whole passage for you right now. I'm just going to get, we're just going to go through the first three verses, and we're going to take it as it comes. Daniel chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. Um, let's pray first, though, as we go to this. Father, we come before you, and we ask, Lord, that as we enter into your word, um, that we would listen to your spirit speak to us. Lord, let, let, help us to listen back through the ages and hear um, what you were saying at the time of Daniel and beyond that to understand what you are trying to say to us today. So just help us to get, grasp that and begin to, to uh, maybe take on some of these characteristics that Daniel uh, so, uh, so beautifully exemplifies. And so just pray that you give us wisdom, give us ears to hear what you have to say to your church. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, he says... In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by, de by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Now, I'm not going to preach to you about that, okay? Just so you know. I'm not going to give you a history lesson. But I do want you to know that this is a, this is a significant moment because there's been a shift of rule from, from, uh, from the, those who had conquered, the Babylonians who had conquered Israel and had taken reign, to the point where now there's a change. The uh, Cyrus has come, which was prophesied. Cyrus has come, even prophesied by name before he was ever born. That's an amazing thing about Scripture. But Cyrus had come and, and conquered with his armies the, the, um, uh, the, the Babylonians. And now they have been punished, and there's a new, new king, a new rule in place. That's what's happening here. And in the first, verse 2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. Verse 3, then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. You see, some things make us get serious about covenant prayer. Some things make us get very serious about covenant prayer. Daniel was at that moment. And you need to know some things about Daniel. Daniel uh, was one of the exiles from Judah, okay? Daniel came 
out of Judah as a captive and landed in Babylon as a young man. Uh, These exiles were the result of a nation repeatedly ignoring multiple warnings from the prophets, including the final warnings from Jeremiah. You remember all this? You're going like, no, yes, maybe. Um, This is this all taking place. It, It was this prophet, Jeremiah, whose writings Daniel was studying at this time. Think about it. He's, Daniel is there in captivity, and he's reading. I'm going to talk to you a little more about Daniel. Uh, um, early on, Daniel and his three friends. Remember his three friends? Well, I'll talk about those in a minute. Uh, they maintained a strict Jewish diet at personal risk. How many of you have done the Daniel fast? Come on, admit it. Yeah, yeah, some of you tried that silly thing. It's crazy. Okay, you can lose weight, you know, and be real healthy. But who wants to be healthy at, at the cost of t- good, good taste, right? Um, I'm sorry. But, but you know that story. But you also know some other things about these guys. Uh, you know the story commonly portrayed as a kid's story of Daniel and the lion's den, right? I mean, how many, how many of you think Daniel and the lion's den is some cute little story about, you know, Dan, Daniel, uh, Daniel leading the, the lion's den in a hymn, you know? If you're old enough, you remember that song, okay? There's, there's a song about that, you know, leading them in their, clapping their big brown paws, you know, like, yeah, right. That's what was happening with Daniel and the lion's den. I think Daniel was having a meeting with God at that moment, all right? He was, I mean... I don't care how brave he was or how faithful he was. He was meeting with God. I can assure you. I would be. I would be. And, um, uh, you, you know, so it's not a kid's story. That's one of the things that bugs me sometimes about what we do with the Bible. And, and you might know a little bit about Daniel and his ability to interpret visions and dreams, right? I mean, he's, he's the one that, that keeps getting called in and kind of saves the day a number of times. Oswald Sanders says this about that. I want to, I just kind of, not about that particular situation, but he said, with absolute consistency, visions, I inserted visions because it was in a context, with absolute consistency, visions produced in those whom they came, to whom they came, profound self-abasement. Again, he said, when confronted with the vision of God, the perfect man is reduced to abject self-abhorrence. Further, confronted by the vision of God, the man who had succeeded in deceiving everyone else is compelled to acknowledge his own secret shame. How many of you have been praying for visions and dreams? Something from God, Lord, show me. This is where you're going to land if you get that vision from God. Don't think otherwise. Daniel became, came to, to Babylon as a teenager. He rose to high position in the Babylonian Empire, and now under a new ruler, and in, in his 80s, okay? We just went from teens to 80s. All right, you with me? In his 80s, he no longer seemed to be significant. It's kind of like our world, isn't it? You hit your 80s, and it's like, well... Could be younger than 80s. Could be 50s. Could be 60s. But you hit an age and you you just seem like you're no longer significant, no longer important. But Daniel is different. Still, when when other men are preparing for death and and, uh, Daniel is focused on the plan of God and Jeremiah's prophecies regarding the restoration of Jerusalem. 
This is the occasion of Daniel's awesome covenant prayer. This is the occasion where he, where, where, um, he, he indirectly reaches back to another great biblical prayer as the authority to approach God according to God's covenant promise. I want you to hear from, um, uh, from Solomon for a moment. And uh, Solomon, you've got your microphone, don't you? Okay, just making sure Solomon's around. I want to uh, you to open your Bibles to Second Chronicles, the sixth chapter, and we're going to read verses thirty-six through forty. If they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them and give them an enemy so that they may be carried away captive to a land near or far. Yet if they turn their hearts in the land to which they have been carried captive and repent and plead with you in the land of captivity, saying, we have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly. If they repent with all their mind and with all their heart in the land of their captivity to which they have been carried captive and pray toward their land which you have gave them or gave to them, Pardon me, just back up a little bit. If they repent with all their mind and with all their heart in the land of their captivity to which they were carried captive and pray toward their land which you have gave them and gave their fathers and the city to which you have chosen and the house that I have built for you or for your name. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place, their prayer, and their plea, and remain their cause and forgive, forgive your people who have sinned against you. O oh my Lord, how your eyes be open, and your ears attentive to your prayer of this place. Uh, thus end the word of the Lord. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. If you'll turn please to Second uh, Chronicles 7. Begin reading at verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer 
and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or pest, uh, send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Verse 19. But if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck you up from my land that I have given you. In this house that I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight, and I will make a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And at this house, which was exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, Why has the Lord done this to the land and to this house? Then they will say, Because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers who brought them out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore he has brought all this disaster on them. In some ways it doesn't seem real positive, does it? I, uh... Yet Daniel is, has, and is aware of these prophet promises. Daniel prayed as he'd been, they'd been in captivity now for 70 or 68 years to be exact. Um, and he, he prayed with fasting, sackcloth and ashes, a symbol of mourning. He got serious about the condition of his people. God had promised through Jeremiah that he would bring the people back after 70 years. So he's looking at it and he's saying, it's time, it's about time. It's about time for this to take place. And so Daniel looks and he sees a problem. Though we have the promise, the prayer that Solomon prayed and, and the, the, the answer that God said, yes, I will, I will respond. We have another, we have, he has a problem. Daniel sees the problem. And he's, it goes on in verse 3. Let's pick up at verse 3 again. He said, Then I, I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas and for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned. And done wrong and attacked, I mean, excuse me, and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the peoples, people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame, as at this day, to the day, I mean, to the men of Judah to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away. In all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers because we have sinned against you. 
To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. We have, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by all his servants, the prophets. You see, covenant prayer, and that's where we're really going with this. The covenant prayer starts by agreeing with God regarding his nature and our nature. Wouldn't it have been nice if Daniel could have said at, the, at this moment, saying, okay, God, we've been here for nearly 70 years. We've done well with this exile. We've learned our lesson. We've learned all we need to learn. We've changed our ways, and now we are keeping your commandments like we were supposed to. And now we are, we are, we're wholeheartedly following you. We're ready. We're ready to return to our homeland and start again as your people. Wouldn't that have been nice? That would be a good thing. You could say, see God, see God, we deserve it. We're ready. The problem is Daniel saw a nation, a people, unchanged. Seventy years, they're still doing the same thing as when they left the promised land and went into captivity. In fact, he saw sinful people, people who had done wrong and acted wickedly. However, Daniel does not really begin from this perspective. And this is where I think we need to learn as we're praying. As we pray for our nation, we pray for those in need, we don't begin with the perspective that, hey, we got this together. We've got it figured out. All of us are right on track. No, we're not, and that's the problem. But this is a critical point, I think, for a prayer for ourselves, our churches, our nation, even our world. With Daniel, we cannot effectively intercede or intervene in the current situation by listing the, um, the great things uh, done by God's people. I can't do it. I can't just make a list of all the good things you've done. You can't make all the great, a list of all the great things I've done because that's not something that we can claim credit for before God. I, I know there are people following hard after God in our times, just as there were in Daniel's times. I, I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, our, good, our three friends, right? You guys know those names because it makes such a neat sound. You know, how many of you know Daniel's uh, actual Hebrew name? These were the Hebrew names of these guys. Yeah, see, you don't know Daniel's Hebrew name, do you? Uh, neither do I. I can't ever remember it. Um, <laughs> Why did I bring that up? It's not in my notes. It would have been better if I'd stayed it stuck with the notes. My wife will tell me later. Uh, stick with your notes. Um, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we know those. They, they agreed to be in the, they're the ones that agreed to go to the fiery furnace rather than bow to an idol. You see, Daniel sees the weakness of so few following God's law. There's a problem here. Daniel begins with God confessing or expressing praise for God's nature. See, when confession isn't always just negative. You know, oh, i got to confess my sin. So it starts with confessing who God is. You know why I get so conscious of my sin? It's because I start with God. If I, don't, if I don't look at God and see His greatness, I don't realize how bad I am. But when I look at God and His nature, and I start confessing those things, God is great and awesome. He is both powerful and to be feared. God is beyond compare. He must be worshipped. Daniel begins here. He also takes note of God's uh, covenant-keeping nature. Uh, without this, by the way, Daniel would have no hope. He couldn't say, oh, God, by the way, 70 years ago you said we we're going to be released. If it was based on what we do. It's not based on what we do. It's based on what he does. 
and what he promised. And the covenant is a promise he made. And Daniel would have no hope. We would have no hope were it not for the covenant that God makes with us. The beauty of the covenant for Daniel is that God will keep his promises in spite of the people. God's faithfulness doesn't always uh, doesn't allow someone to um, take the covenant for granted, though. It's not like, oh, you can do this. Okay, well, then I can do whatever I want to. That's not the point. God makes this mercy available to who? To those who love him, who keep his commandments. That's what Daniel says. Those who love him and keep his commandments. And now he's like, wait a minute. There's a disconnect here. The promise and where we are. Jesus said the same thing, by the way. You remember that? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Right? He, he, he says the same thing. Jesus, I mean, I'm sorry, mer- mercy and, and love, by the way, imply imperfection. I, it already knows that I don't do the right thing. For God to have mercy on me implies that I need it. I'm in desperate need of him. Verse 5 begins Daniel's corporate confession. I don't know about you, but it bugs me because I think Daniel's a good guy. I think Daniel's one who who has it together. And yet you read this passage and you look and you say, well, he's always talking about we. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets. You know, I mean, he goes on. on. We have done these things. Daniel uses we and makes this makes the confession. This is where much of the conversation among Christians today falls short. It is much easier to point the finger and boycott than it is to say, hey, we have sinned. We, meaning me, like the rest of them. It's easier for us to do that than to to admit our own complicity in the sin of our nation. You know, we look and say, well, I mean, if you're like me, you're like, well, you know, I don't like him, I don't like him, I don't like her, I don't like, I gotta be gender. Yeah, got it. Anyway, who asked me that? Somebody asked me what, what if I was gonna talk about Hillary, and uh, you asked me, didn't you, Dan? Yeah, look at there. I did it accidentally, it wasn't planned. If I'd stayed away from it, we would have been okay. Um, so somehow I'll blame you later on. Is that okay? Um, <laughs> We have missed the mark. That's what the word sin means, by the way. You know, we talk about sin. Oh, well, I, you know, I don't drink, smoke, drink, or chew, or go out with girls that do. Now, that's not what it's talking about. It's missing the mark. You know, it's missing the mark. It's saying I, God had a standard, and I missed it. And this is what he's saying. We've done that. We've missed the mark. You and I have missed the mark. We've acted it wickedly. We have rebelled. Rebellion, by the way, uh, requires forethought and pre-planning. Um, we intentionally pursue a corrupt, unproven way in, in uh, contrast to the clear best practice of, of following God's instructions. I, I find myself doing that all the time. You know, I've, I've got it figured out, and so I'm going to plan out and, a way to get around God's law somewhere along the way. Do you ever do that? Well, let's think about this way. When you're running late, do you get around man's law by going just a little faster than the speed limit? Anybody push a light that seems to be a little more red than yellow? You know? Yeah. yeah. Okay, it happens, right? And um, 
and you, of course, you and I all know about God saying we're supposed to obey the laws of man, and you know, and and we always say, well, you know, but the, the apostles said, who are we to obey, God or man? You know, well, I don't think God told you to speed. <laughs> Just say, all right. Which, by the way, I did coming here, so don't think I'm a holier than thou person. <clears throat> um, that's also not in the notes. I shouldn't have admitted that. No cops here, are they? Okay, just don't want to have a ticket on my car when I leave. Um, <laughs> Daniel's contemporaries didn't even listen to the prophets. Uh, I preached a series a few years back, a few more than I'd like to admit, through the minor prophets. And as I preached that series through the minor prophets in my church, so I thought you know it was a good while ago, the church I was pastoring, um, people actually got angry. They, were, they became upset with me. Why would they get upset? I'm just preaching what the Bible says. But people were very upset with me. I had, I had actually... I actually had a, a one person decide they want they were going to split the church over it because I was preaching out of the minor prophets. And you know, the minor prophets have some things that are not very fun to read. Certainly not when you start thinking they might apply to you. Um, but why are they doing that? Well, prophets tend to reveal our corrupt faith and our hidden motives. Right? And when I read those, it's like, I don't, let's go somewhere else. And if you get a modern-day prophet, it's the same way. Someone speaks the truth, but I don't like hearing the truth because it hurts. So let's go somewhere else. And uh, in our society, we can do that. By the way, church-wise, we can just kind of get up and go somewhere else. I don't think that's what God's really looking for. Um, but when, when our inner... I'm sorry. Um, our nature is, is uh, so far from His nature that we need to be reminded how much He loves us. After all of that, you know, and maybe that was my problem when I was preaching. Maybe I didn't remind people enough of how much God loved them in the middle of it. Daniel's one of the minor prophets, but doesn't this have a hope, a, a touch of hope to it? He loves us. And, uh, um, and, and, and that is, he loves us. Jesus' death on the cross expresses God's extreme and ultimate love for you. This is no th small thing. And you may not like what I say about integrity and about honesty and about living a moral life and all of that. But remember, Jesus took care of that. All are messing up by dying on the cross and rising again for our sakes. He loves us ultimately. And when our intercession is based on Jesus, the Father doesn't look at me and say, oh, look at that rotten person. When I base my intercession on Jesus, the Father looks and he sees the wounds that he has. He sees the scars in his hands and his feet and in his side. And he says, aha, okay, well, I'll respond to, the, to, to this prayer and to this request because it's in the name of my son, Jesus. Let's go on for a moment. Verse, verse 11. In verse 11. He says, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and the oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us great calamity. And under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. 
As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. Still got a problem, he's saying. Daniel, you know, covenant prayer, by the way, recognizes the fulfillment of God's involvement in our world. We think God is only involved with, with Christ and bringing salvation. But Daniel understood, and they, they understood in the Old Testament, that God is involved in the nations of the world. He puts people in power. He removes people from power. He puts people in, in a place, a, a position, a nations in, in prosperity, and he brings down nations from their prosperity. God is involved in this world. You may not like the way he's involved, but he's involved. And Daniel talks with God and his readers through the reality of how far his nation has fallen. You bothered by things in your world? You can talk with God about that. In fact, it's good to detail it, but remember your involvement, your complicity. As a covenant people, it seems they are in, ex- in an extremely bad place. Uh, if, 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 if God has chosen us, why do we seem so bad off? Anybody ever feel that way? <laughs> why do we, you know... I think of Tevye's prayer. You remember Tevye in Fiddler on the Roof? If you haven't ever watched Fiddler on the Roof, you should watch it. It's a great show. I, I, it took me about mm, 15 years after my first opportunity to decide to watch it because it's a musical. You know? <laughs> yeah. you know, my wife finally convinced me to watch it. I think she made me go to the, an outdoor performance of that when we were dating. Or, or maybe when we were married. That was when we were married. When we were already married at that point. That's right. It, so the, we had a covenant we had, so I went, you know, I had to go. Well, it was outdoors, so it was okay. I could look at the stars at least. Um, I don't know. I digress. Tevye, he says, I know, I know. We are your chosen people. Remember, he's complaining. But once in a while, can't you choose someone else? <laughs> right? You ever feel that way? God, okay, you chose us, but like, I'm not liking the result of the choice. I'm not liking the decisions I have to make. Daniel's generation might have felt that way, I think. I think they did, probably. However, God sent plenty of warnings, remember, to Israel. The curse came. Still, they did not turn, even after that. Still, they did not seek God or His favor, even even though they had been warned. They were in a mess. They were in a mess. Even so, God did not cease to work. Even in their world, their nation, their times, God was at work. And he's about to bring about his plan. Verse 14, I want to read that just so I get it right here. Verse 14, therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity that is brought upon us. There's another translation for this which I like just a tad better. That instead of kept ready, he has he is, he is um, watching, pondering, watching and pondering. What's he doing? It's he's looking at the evil that we have and he's pondering. He says, in, in, in a sense, he's saying, I've got this, I've made this promise. I've covenanted with my people. 70 years, I'm bringing you back. And he's looking and he's pondering. Sinful people, rotten people disobedient people, 
People who won't hear, won't listen, they're deaf to me. What am I going to do? I've promised, but they're not living up to their end of the bargain. What am I going to do? I think that uh, <laughs> like Daniel, we're in a times like those. I think sometimes God is looking and says, you know, I'm ready to bring you into the fullness of knowing me and what I'm like and what I'm going to do. And I'm ready to bring you into the fullness. Maybe in some of those of you who like always praying for the rapture to come, you know, I primarily pray for that when I'm going to have a major medical procedure or when I'm going to have a major exam or when, uh, when I'm having to make a job decision or something like that, you know, or about to lose my job or I just lost my job. You know, then I'm praying, Lord, come, okay. You know, it's not too good now. But it, if you're one of those people, you know, you're kind of like ready for Jesus to return. Hmm. I can imagine God sitting there, if, if he were thinking about making it today, I mean, I don't, he, he's the only one that knows, but he might be looking and pondering, what am I supposed to do? I mean, he's God, okay? This is very, Lord, don't put a skylight right here, okay? But, you know, you know that we, we just, we, I want to bring them home, but they're not ready. They're not ready. They haven't risen to the occasion. I see Joe over here looking and saying, yeah, maybe we could use a skylight there. <laughs> right? Am I right? You were thinking about that. Yeah, that might work. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I, I saw it. I knew it. And it was either that or you're falling asleep, and I wasn't going to let you do that. Uh, so, uh, um, I'm sorry. Watch the time here. Um, but like Daniel, we have a healthy way to respond without anger or accusations, and that's covenant prayer. We, we, can, we can pray, our, our covenant prayer repents for our disobedience and the disobedience of God's people. Look at verses 15 through 19. I'm going to cut it short uh, after this. Um, in verse 15, he says, And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and have made a name for yourself as it is this day, we have sinned and have done, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and, all your, and your people have become a byword among uh, all who are around us. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord. Make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not, not, not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, oh, my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Daniel looked back in order to move forward. He reminded God and himself of Israel's undeserved deliverance from Egypt. Remember? 
This is how they got their start. They didn't deserve to be released. They were sinners. They were horrible. They were idolaters. But instead, they were released. Similarly, they were, not, they were uh, now dependent upon on God's covenant relationship with Israel, not their goodness. Three times, verses 15, 18, and 19, Daniel mentions their identification as being called by God's name. Three times he emphasizes God's reputation, God's reputation being at stake. Remember Moses? Moses interceded for wayward Israel in the wilderness, and, and, and he, in the same way, Daniel intercedes for them in the exile. As Moses did not deny but confirmed Israel's failure to obey, Daniel admits Judah's failure even during the prophesied captivity. They knew this was coming and why it was coming, and they still are not turning. And Daniel pleads with intensity, verse 17, Our God, listen, verse 18, Oh my God, incline your ear and hear, in verse 19, Oh Lord, hear, oh Lord, forgive, oh Lord, pay attention and act. He expects mercy based on God's character alone. Sometimes I look at the world around me and think, how can God change this place? How can he change it? It's a mess. And then I look at myself and think, oh, how can God change this man? Look at me. I'm a mess. I get frustrated and depressed by some of these things. I get frustrated and depressed by other people's sin, and I get frustrated and depressed by my own stupid sin. Really. I do. And... How am I any different? I look at the God of Daniel and realize it is this God who is merciful. This God created a covenant relationship through the blood of his only son. This God responds to my feeble attempts at at turning from my selfish ways toward his word. It's this God who makes a difference. I'm not going to read them, but in verse 20 through 23, God finally shows up. Well, the angel Gabriel finally shows up. Now, obviously, um, I wish I could go into that, but I'm not. Uh, um, the, the beauty is that covenant prayer <laughs> brings a timely response from God. God shows up when we are serious in our prayer before him. He shows up. And while Daniel is praying, in fact, he tells us that that Gabriel was dispatched at the beginning of the prayer. God knew where it was going. <laughs> Isn't that cool? I mean, he, ahead of time. This is not the first time this happens to Daniel either, but he, he sends him out. He's on his way. He's on his way. You know, deliverance is on its way. Father, we come before you. Uh, Lord, our need is to pray, more like Daniel, to intercede as he interceded for us. And Father, we lift up to you right now. Right now, we lift up to you our ability to meet with you, our ability to pray and to seek your face on behalf of our nation, about, on behalf of our church even, on behalf of one another. But Father, I do pray that we will meet with you and Father, we, that you will come and be made known. And Father, just as you delivered Israel and Judah so long ago and you fulfilled your covenant promise, Lord, we look forward to you fulfilling the new covenant promise, not just uh, in, in eternity with heaven, in heaven, but even now as we learn to walk with you and experience your presence. We pray in Jesus' name.